So my random, uh, fun, obscure, random history fact is that a long time ago in the country of England, they banned theater <gasps> and they killed everyone who ever stepped foot on stage. No, I'm kidding. That Murder? part. Murder? Oh, okay. <laughs> that part's not real. <laughs> Murder. <laughs> we do not support murder on no, this podcast. murder bad. Bad murder. No, 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 mm. no, no, no. No. I do like true crime podcasts. Those Me are fun, too. though. Yes. Maybe we'll turn this into a, a theater true crime. Her head was cut off. Any Her murder. ears were cut off. Any Her murder. eyes were ripped out. Her nose was cut off. Her tongue was ripped out. Her legs were removed. <laughs> you just kept going. I was like, good. <laughs> Welcome to the Pen Theater <laughs> Podcast, where we talk about true crime has nothing to do with Penn Theater or theater in general. <laughs> it's really just true crime. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so right. what did they do with people that did shows illegally or what? What? I don't know. Oh. I'm pretty they just sure banned they pro- it. Probably they just got arrested if oh. somebody was found doing it. I don't know. You'd have to ask our history. Historians. Yeah, our historians here on the podcast, Ben and Kayla. Mm, they're the smart ones. Really are they? Really are they know everything? Yeah, but I we we don't really know specifically what it's about because it's Ben and Kayla, and Sutter is there as a guest. So oh, Sutter's doing my favorite thing, which is Sutter's gonna sit there and um, give unsolicited opinions, and um, he knows nothing. He knows nothing of what they were talking about. Absolutely nothing. And so, I think they're just gonna ask and uh, receive his opinions on you know history and what he thinks about the crazy yeah. things that have happened. Super, super excited. Yeah, so that's what today's episode is about. So if you're ready to listen to Ben and Kayla talk about amazing and random obscure theater history facts and listen to Sutter's unsolicited and questionable opinions, then keep on listening to the You're Always Auditioning, the Penn Theater Podcast. You're always auditioning the Penn Theater Podcast, or welcome if you're a new listener. I'm Ben Vanderveen. I'm Kayla Steele. I'm Sutter Sherwood. And this is the first uh, theater history episode. Um, Real quick before we get further on, that theme you just heard is our podcast theme written by fellow drama board member Braden McMillan. So a big thanks to him for doing that. Thank you, Braden. Amazing work on that. It's such a great song. But... um, we're going to get right into it. Uh, the topic of this podcast episode is the ancient theater and the origins of theater. So it's a lot more interesting than you would think, at least from my personal research. I, I, I like s- briefly scanned Ben's, but I can say what I have is very, very interesting. Ancient theater is just as weird as theater is today. <laughs> The origins of theater are very often attributed to uh, ancient Greece, as Kayla will be going on later, but there were instances of ancient theater possibly recorded before ancient Greece. Ancient Greece just has the best records. Um, And cultures all across the world have uh, traditions and performances similar to what we call theater today, because theater is the art of storytelling, and pretty much every culture in the world has some form of oral storytelling. But... One of the first really developed forms of theater is um, 
comes from ancient Egypt. So um, ancient Egyptian theater has a lot of uh, religious roots like a lot of other theaters, and it did predate the Greece. They would often act out the story of the murder of Osiris by Set. That's one of the really fundamental stories to their religion. Oh, but so that was the guy that was the guy that like got cut up into pieces, right? Yeah. And yeah. and then came back to life, took revenge and then became king of the underworld or something. Yeah. Yep, king of the gods got killed, came back, became slightly less than the I king of the I gods. I only remember As it that. Should. Yeah, I only remember that because I read the Cain Chronicles when I was like 8 years old. Same here. <laughs> um, got chopped up like got shoved in a coffin and pushed down a river or something. Yeah, it's weird. All mythology donkey. is weird, and it's the best. It was by his donkey brother. I think um, Set was a donkey, right? Wasn't that a sacred animal? I thought, he, I thought he was the crocodile. There's another crocodile. Yeah, God. there probably is another crocodile. I don't know. We have no clue weird. what we're talking about. I don't know Egyptian mythology as well as I should. Nope. Um, but these... Uh, these stories, these plays, were actually very similar to what we'd consider a religious pageant nowadays or a, what a pageant was in the medieval times. But during these pageants, they would tell another story, a story of Ares breaking into a temple and um, having to fight his way to see his mom. And um, they would act out this by um, members of the public and attendants of the temple fighting with wooden staves like sticks, like quarterstaves, um, not to the death. There's no recorded oh. instances of people dying, oh, but they did. Sad. They they did beat each other up very much and very heavy injuries. And you you know I'm not saying we should add this back into theater today, but I'm just saying it does sound like <laughs> fun. It sounds like fun. Well, that's just beating just each other up with wooden sticks. That is incredible commitment. The Egyptians also, in very interestingly, had satirical plays in which they would openly mock the pharaoh or even the gods through plays. As they should, yes. honestly. But like there were, there was a lot of fear of authority figures and gods back in those times. So it is really fun to see that they, they were still poking fun at authority. That's good. As they should. <laughs> yeah. Moving on in chronological order, we have... Uh, we have ancient Greece, and it's interesting. So if you think of the Greeks, specifically like the ancient Greeks, if you think of the Greeks now, you typically think of like economic failure or something. Yeah. I don't know. That's pretty much all they're known for nowadays. Yeah. Being very hard to conquer in wars. Yeah. They got a lot of mountains. Yeah. And, you know, back in the ancient times, they're known for two things. You think of the architecture... And in that case, you're a nerd if that's what you think of first. and you Or you think of the myths. Or but the philosophy. <laughs> I think of the yogurt. That's all <laughs> I know. So, so that's what, five things? Those things don't matter. The only things that matter is the stories <laughs> because that's like, this is well, a theater podcast. Philosophy is just elaborate stories that have a message at the end like most stories. Okay, but like Plato was like, Man is a featherless biped or something. And this, and uh, and this other dude was like, okay, here's a f chicken I plucked. Is this a man? Yeah. See, that's a story. That's true. It's That's a story. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a fun story. It's it is absurd. absurd. I get it. <laughs> 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 all right. So basically, you know, they're known for their stories. And theater is all about telling those stories. And so uh, as... I believe it began in, like, the 6th century, like, BCE. Not like, you know, they weren't around 
6th century, like AD, and the Greeks really believed in the power of the spoken word, and that was their main form of storytelling. They didn't really write much stuff down. They, like, spoke it because, you know, they were like, writing is a dead language, so that's fun. And originally... They did write a lot of stuff, and they put it in a big library. They did, and then it burned. Yep. That sucks. Great shame. I know. And originally, Western theater as we know it originated from a cult. So that's fun. It's called the Cult of Dionysus. And if you know anything about Dionysus, this guy is like, he's got like a couple of main things going on. He's the god of like wine, partying, terminal debauchery, and theater. Those are like his four main points of expertise. Wasn't he also... um, what is debauchery? General uh, um, rowdiness. Oh, getting really drunk and doing stupid things. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, he had like a cult just that just partied all the time and killed things. Yeah, they killed a lot of things, specifically goats. They like to sacrifice goats, and that is where theater came from. It was. A religious experience, like, performed at festivals, and they were dedicated to Dionysus. And at these parties, they would drink lots and lots and lots of wine, because Dionysus invented wine, as the stories go. And, you know, when you drink wine, you get a little crazy, and, you know, they, like, became, like, a different person, or so they believed when they drank lots and lots of wine. So... You know, that's where we get acting from. Is that makes a lot of sense? <laughs> is that why they were like sacrificing stuff just because they were drunk, or, or did they uh, do that? Before? No, they sacrificed goats because goats were sacred to Dionysus because uh, his dad like hit him in the form of a goat when Hera was going on a murderous rampage because she was trying to kill Dionysus. That's a long story. Naturally. Yes, but also I think what Sutter says does have some merit. Like that's true. Yeah. Uh, I believe they did tend to kill people as well, at least in the stories. I'm not sure if, like, they actually did in history, but in the myths at those parties, they would just kill lots and lots of people because Dionysus had this group of, like, 30 women that he was just like, I don't like that person. And I, mean, I think Dionysus originated as a uh, Middle Eastern or Mes- Mesopotamian war god yes. as well which he was kind of then adapted into the ancient Greek pantheon, as most gods were. Yes, he was originally from the Middle East or, like, India or something. I don't really remember exactly where he originated from, but it was not from General West Asia. Yeah. So he would just, like, point at someone and be like, I don't like this person, and then everyone just murders them? Yeah, there's a lot of stories that go like that. There's, like, a story of, like, a king, and he was, like, invading one of the parties because he was like, I don't like what's going on here. I'm going to, like, spy on them. And he, like, hid in a tree... Dionysus just, like, turned to the tree and just, like, pulled down the branch. And he was like, you're not supposed to be here. And then everyone just, like, tore him to pieces, including the guy's mother. The guy's mother was, like, tearing him to pieces. And that's cool. Theater kids, am I right? (laughs) (laughs) If you're not tearing someone to pieces on a Saturday night, what are you doing with your life? Yeah. All right. Um, Yeah, so, and at these, like, at the festivals... They sacrificed the goats, as we said before. And they also wore masks. And those masks were later worn by actors in Greek theater. 
and they had a song ritual called Tragodia, which later, you know, became the word tragedy, which the Greeks also invented. Originally, it meant goat song. So basically, when you're saying tragedy, you're being like, sad goat, we're killing a goat. And I think that's really funny. It is. That's a bit of humor to tragedy. Um, speaking of comedy, comedy was another one of the a Greek, the word is at least a Greek invention. They, they did a lot with the duality of tragedy and comedy. They would kind of keep them separate, and that's where the, um, yeah. that's where the laughing and crying masks come from, is yeah. from the masks oh. people would wear in Greek theater. Did they have to, like, hold them with the sticks, or was it, like, taped to their face uh, or something? I believe they were, like, I don't know. I did not... I should have looked more into that on my research. All I, r- all I like, really took note on about the masks is that they were amplifiers, like, of uh. the voice. Because, you know, you didn't have mics back in ancient Greece. That's so interesting. There must have been some yeah. interesting engineering going into that. Oh, yeah. The engineering into, like, the theaters and everything is really interesting. But we'll get into that bit later because we have History more class. things about tragedy. <laughs> so, yeah. So, it, tragedy was, like, you know sad stuff, and it originated from when they were killing goats. Also, in the rituals, they would, like, sing and dance, and that was later developed to be, like, the chorus in Greek theater, which was a very important part of the shows. That's fun. Kind of like uh, the, not directly the origins of musicals, because that's operas and operettas, but it it's an early form of seeing song and play being put together that would eventually show up later in Europe. So when yes. you say like chorus, do you mean like like a modern musical chorus? Is, is it just like a group of like non like significant characters? Kind of, but yeah. the, the Greek chorus was its own character. It would be like a group of eight people that would they, they would have their own lines that they would say in unison. They would kind of serve some of the exposition part of the plot. Yeah, they weren't allowed to act or anything. They would just do the singing and the dancing because there were only one to three like actual actors on the stage. So they that's and that's why like you know like they would switch the masks out and they like really relied on like using different voices and different gestures, which is very interesting because we do that a lot today when yeah. you're like casted as two or three different people in a play. But if you ever uh, actually look at like one of the Greek um, uh, plays adapted into the normal play format, there'll be lines that are like chorus, and it'll either be said by one member of the chorus or uh, the entire chorus speaking in unison. And they normally have like a short little thing they say before the play, providing some exposition or yeah. just providing uh, some narration throughout the play. Think of the, uh, I don't know what to call it, like the prologue in Romeo and Juliet that is sung by a chorus, like the... Two households in Verona. Da, 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 da. Yeah. That oh. is something a chorus would, uh, you know, mm-hmm. do. Okay. Shakespeare did take a lot of notes from Greek theater. He and did. a lot of stories from Greek theater. That is true. A lot of things that we think originate from, like, Shakespeare or, like, allude to Shakespeare. Not originate, but, like, you know, in a book, they'd be like, this alludes to Shakespeare. No, it does not. It probably alludes to something like Oedipus Rex which we will also go into later. Oh, great. That's a fun story. One of my favorites. Oh, yes. I remember that. Well, not like the actual <laughs> events I'm, that I'm happened. I'm, I'm, pretty <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I had to explain to you what an Oedipus complex Yeah, I didn't know what it was because I? I hadn't taken the English class I'm taking now. 
<laughs> I um, reading Oedipus in English class. Antigone. Yeah. Antigone. Okay. Yeah, like I remember reading yeah, that. We went over yeah. Oedipus to like get back. Yeah, you've seen the like the chorus line. Yeah. In yeah, Antigone. I recognized that when you were talking about that. Yes. Okay. And uh, the comedy also originated from the cults, but um, I can't really get into like what it was about <laughs> because this is a school podcast. They were very drunk. They were very drunk and uh, making very inappropriate comments. Yeah. Mm. So we are. PG. So that's the origins of comedy. Oh. <laughs> but yeah. So and then. As time went on, they were like, hey, we can take these crazy cult things and put them on a stage and put, like, stories to them. So poets would write out these stories, and then they would give them to, like, the actors and the choruses and be like, do this for me. Please. I want clout. So basically what happened. And there were a lot of, like, famous, famous people, you know, um, I can't pronounce a lot of the names, but like the two I can pronounce are softly, <laughs> softly. <laughs> I can't even pronounce this. I like know how to pronounce it. Sophocles. Sophocles. Yeah. Sophocles. Yeah, and Euripides and Sophocles. I'm Euripides. Euripides. <laughs> you put the P in the wrong place. The p- I, I, hmm, I don't speak <laughs> Greek. Okay, I can barely speak you English. You got there eventually. It's okay. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I'm just going to call Sophocles or whatever his name is. I'm just going to call him Sophie. Sophie. That's easier. Close enough. Um, enough. Yeah, he's arguably the most infamous of the three because he wrote the plays that we mentioned earlier. He wrote Antigone and Oedipus Rex. He also wrote Ajax, Electra, and some other things that I didn't put in my notes because I was like, those ones probably won't be as recognizable as these four and those are all very famous tragedies he was a tragic poet i guess not really a playwright because that i don't think that term had necessarily been coined yet yeah i think one of the earliest playwrights would have been homer even though most of his plays were prose because they were they were never really written down just oral hit just spoken orally from generation to generation but yeah, because he wrote the things down. Homer wrote the Iliad and the Odyssey, right? He spoke or them. Or he spoke them? I yeah. don't know. I don't know. I believe that Homer famously didn't directly write everything, anything down. He was blind, wasn't he? He was blind. He is the blind uh, poet. That's why you can't write. <laughs> no, no they just didn't write things. <laughs> they just genuinely didn't write a lot of things that's down. That's true. Just memorized stuff. Oral tradition. Yeah. You just yeah. tell a story from generation to generation. Uh. Yeah, and that's why there's so many like different like versions of the myths. That makes sense. Yeah, because like some myth of I'm trying to think of a myth with like uh Hades and Persephone. There are some stories where Persephone was forced to eat the pomegranate and some where she ate the pomegranate like willingly. Like she chose to eat it because she loved Hades. Which is my favorite version because I love the stories of Hades and Persephone. And it's a lot nicer to think about than just Hades kidnapping her and bringing her to the underworld. That's true. And I mean, like, Zeus was the one who originally, like, gave him the idea because Zeus is, you know, Zeus is constantly kidnapping girls everywhere. Yeah. Zeus is the cause of everything in Greek I mythology. Hate Zeus. 
I would gladly throw hands with Zeus. I think he's stupid, and I think he's misogynistic, and I Correct. think... Yeah, I think we should just all, like, throw him in, like, a dumpster bin. Didn't he, like, eat I his children or something? Or is that a different that's, god? That's Kronos. That's, that's, oh. that's his but dad. But Zeus had a lot of children. <laughs> he did. Just not with his wife. He threw one of his children off a cliff. Or his... Hera did. Hera. Oh, there's, oh, there's, there's stories of Zeus also throwing... Uh, Hephaestus. Hephaestus off a cliff. It's, uh, I, 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 I like to believe that both of them did because I hate both Zeus and Hera. Yeah. Hephaestus deserved better, honestly. Like, did he did he do a couple of bad things? Well, there is well, that story yeah. of him at Athena. Yeah. Yeah, let's not get into. I don't let's like that story. Let's stop delving into Greek mythology before we get to stuff we can't talk about <laughs> on this podcast, <laughs> which is most of Greek mythology. Ugh, I love Greek mythology though. It's it's my favorite. It's, it's a love hate relationship because like y- yeah. you love it and then you realize, oh god, that's that's creepy. Yeah, like that's, that's creepy. That's illegal in this. Uh, cool, man. <laughs> the Greeks were very morally bankrupt. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which is kind of funny because in developing philosophy, they developed a lot of basis from. <laughs> we think of philosophy as like the basis of moral standing, but the Greeks are also the fathers of philosophy and some of the most rowdy people. And yeah. What, for people who were considered civilized, they were. Um, the yeah. pinnacle of civilization, they not were the <laughs> not the most civilized. Yeah, um, also their philosophy was like, men are chickens. So, you know, their that's philosophy... That's one part of their really philosophy. Phenomenal. There were a lot of Greek philosophers. I agree more than anything I've ever agreed with. <laughs> Back to playwrights. So there, were <laughs> there was also like an ancient Greek, like Tony's, basically. So it... Or, like, the theater Olympics, because the Greeks also made the Olympics. The Greeks made a lot of things. Were any of them good? That's questionable. That's very questionable. But they made things, and, you know, so they were held in Athens. The competition was held in Athens because that is where, like, Dionysus was, like, celebrated. It's also just, like, their biggest city. Yeah, it's the biggest city, and he celebrated there because every year they were like, we need Dionysus to not drive our people insane because he did that. Because originally, as the story goes, um, the the Athenians were like, we don't want you here. You suck. And Dionysus was like, (laughs) I'm going to drive all your women insane. (laughs) Which which does make sense because Athens being the patron city of, uh, Athena being the patron goddess of Athens, so it kind of being this birthplace of wisdom and strategy. And then there's this crazy drunk god. It makes sense that they would be like, maybe we don't want your followers here. Yeah. I, th- I think it's just kind of ironic, personally. But yeah, um, I, sh- I feel like I should also mention that Dionysus is the god of madness as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, theater, madness, and like terminal debauchery, they just and all wine. They, they really go together, you know? Yeah. Seems like this was the god of a lot of things. He was. I mean, not as many as like Apollo, because Apollo was all over the place. Apollo was like god of like medicine, healing, music, the sun, and deadly, deadly plagues. And it's like good for you. And archery. He liked to shoot a lot of things. And prophecy. Like how like music and healing I can understand because like people are like, oh, music heals. And like plagues, I guess. But like the sun and archery. Okay, I guess. 
are you looking up the di- like what was God Dionysus the god? Yep, and it's a lot of oh things. Oh boy! Um, uh, the grape harvest, winemaking, and wines of fertility, also just orchards and fruit. So general fruit orchards, vegetation, insanity, ritual madness being different than insanity, uh, festivity, and theater. Wow, those things really go together. Yeah. I mean, I guess like grapes make wine, fruits. Grape is a fruit. Wine makes you crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And theater is crazy. (laughs) Theater leads to a lot of terminal debauchery. Theater kids are unhinged. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Just walk into a freshman class. They're all singing like Little Shop of Horrors or something. And it's like a hive mind. I swear to God. Dionysus is the god of madness and cults. And we are both mentally unstable, crazy, and a cult. So, yeah, I I can attest to that. I have worked with two different beginning theater classes, and I feel like that is the most. I'm sorry. That is the most unhinged group because I have been in every theater class here besides like beginning tech. I've been in advanced tech. They're they're chill. I think every I think, but like advanced acting can get unhinged, but it's a different kind of unhinged. It is a very. It is like controlled chaos, I feel like. Unless Miss Ryan's not there. Unless Mrs. Ryan's not there, yeah, but yeah, it's it's. We don't talk about those times. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, so we were talking about the Greek Tonys, so they were held to celebrate Dionysus, so they would keep him from not driving their women insane. I was going to make a joke about women already being insane, and I was like, no, I'm not going to make that joke because that is a bad joke to and me. And now you have. <laughs> Might as well go all out. <laughs> you basically made the joke already. I know. I'm, I'm terrible. <laughs> Anyways, so poets, they would compose three tragedies and then one satyr play, and satyr plays were basically comedies, just more unhinged and just worse. <laughs> Like, because they told the stories of satyrs, which were the half-goat, half-man people who followed Dionysus and were also present at those crazy parties. They were just... They were... They were a lot... Like, Rick Rick Royorden really made the satyrs a lot tamer in his stories. They were just like, we love the environment. And these ones were like... We love yeah. different things. <laughs> we like drinking. Is a satyr like the, the thing that uh, Percy Jackson was friends with? <laughs> yeah. 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 Goat, goat on the bottom, but not horse on the bottom. So goat. Bipedal, but goat, goat bottom. Yeah, because goat the horse people were centaurs. I yes. want to be a satyr. So. <laughs> satyrs <laughs> live up to like... 200 years, I think, as well. They live, like, twice as long as humans. Wow. Unless they get killed by a falling tree branch and their blood becomes grapes. That's actually, hmm. uh, in the myths, how Dionysus invented wine. He invented wine out of grapes that were his best friend's blood because... Nice. As yeah. he should. <laughs> I mean, I assume the best friend wasn't using it anymore. No, he was what dead. What else would he do? <laughs> Got to be some good from it. Yeah. All right. So, anyways, so, yeah. So, Seder plays were really raunchy comedies, and uh, they told a lot of stories about mythology as well. 
And the winner of the performances were offered a bronze cauldron tripod. I don't know why. I don't know what purpose that serves. At least laurel wreaths look cool. I mean, uh, I guess it's like a trophy. Yeah, I guess. It's, it's a thing made of metal that you can display prominently for winning something. That's true. That's a trophy. Yeah. Yeah, now that I think. Yeah. That, that might just be the origin of trophies. God, I'm gonna look that <laughs> up. Okay, <laughs> we do need to. We do, we do need to never finish mind, this. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. But yeah, and uh, all right, and the theaters were also obviously very important because you know they didn't just put on the plays at the cult rituals. Eventually, they were like, "We are civilized men," and they did the plays in their theaters, and their theaters were specifically built so that when the actors like projected their voice would hit, like, every seat in the audience. Wow. So, yeah, it was really oh, cool. Oh, is it like the, the, what's the word? Like, the stage and the audience is, like, raised for every row. The amphitheater. Yeah, that one. Yeah, the amphitheater. Yeah, the amphitheater. The Greeks invented the amphitheater. They were great at architecture, and acoustics goes along with architecture. Yeah. They made a lot of architecture, most of which were like attributed to the gods. Yep. And then most of which, which also got bombed in World War II. Hmm. Gods got bombed or the theater. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you attribute the gods to their temples, their temples got Well, actually no. The Pantheon was not bombed in World War II. The British just used it for gunpowder storage. That is And then That and is not smart. And then chopped off pieces of the Frisians of the friezes, the little pictures oh. on the top. Oh. Um, I mean, like, I get it was, like, a war, but, like, that hurts my and, heart. And then, no, I don't think this was even during well, wartime. Well, this is not during the... I am going no, to No, this is just the British. <laughs> and so they took, I am, mm, and so they took them, and they're currently being displayed at the uh, British Museum. They're known as the Elgin Marbles, and they are one of the most disputed pieces of material in the British Museum, which is very impressive, giving the everything in the British Museum was just stolen from other cultures. I I am a very loving and tolerant person, but if I ever see a British person <laughs> from now on, it's on site. It is on site. No, no, no. Just just the people at the British Museum, because they're the ones refusing to get... Or the British government, because they're the ones refusing to give it back. I am going to fight the Queen. And <laughs> Boris. we got to fight Boris. I don't know who Boris is. Boris Johnson. Oh, is that the Prime Minister? Yep. I don't know much about... Britain government, British government, I don't know. I just know the queen. and w The queen can't fight me. She's like 100 years old. She's, yeah. she's like musty, dusty. Like, you just like poke her and she'd like fall over well, and like die. If she's immortal, she could be immortal. So if she is, you would just run out of energy. Before yeah, yeah, yeah. She could have the Betty White effect where she will just never die. Yeah. Oh, that's true. I wouldn't fight Betty White, though. I would die for Betty White. Absolutely. This has gone so off topic. <laughs> 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 all right. Um, yeah, that's about all I have for the Greek theater. Um, yeah, just a lot of cults and stuff and lots of raunchy comedies. It's fun. All right. Next chronologically is Sanskrit theater, Sanskrit being the ancient language of India. So uh, Sanskrit, uh, uh, the first known work in Sanskrit theater is... Um, appeared in the first century CE, so 
does take place after the Greeks, but not that long after the Greeks. Just yeah. A little after the Greeks. This was like right when the Greeks got conquered, right? After the Greeks after got conquered. After the Greeks got conquered? Okay. Yeah, the zero CE is during the height of the Roman Empire. Yeah, I was going to say, because I know like that era is like with Jesus and oh, Caesar yeah, that, and Nero. That, that is what the Gregorian calendar was based on, is the estimated birth of yeah, Jesus. I know my Bible. Yeah. And <laughs> yes, some yes, now we call it common era instead of Christ era or whatever. Uh, it was AD. Anno Domini in the year of our Lord. Yeah. That's it. I always thought of it as after death. Uh, but anyways, back on Sanskrit theater. Um, <laughs> again, um, developed from religious ceremonies and then was slowly refined into a more identifiable form of theater by Western standards. Because the West... Because everything has to be defined by Western standards. Everything has to do standards. with the West. Because um, the West. <laughs> but the um, earliest complete plays that we still have are from the 3rd and 4th centuries CE. But what I found really interesting about Sanskrit theater was a work was compiled in the 3rd century CE called the Natyashrata, which I may have butchered. But um, it laid out the basics of Sanskrit theater. I, It's like... If you were taking a class called Sanskrit Theater 101, this would be the textbook. Um, so it lays out the basics of Sanskrit theater from the uh, foundational philosophies and ideologies all the way to, like, types of plots and performance traditions. Huh. So, like, what was... I don't know how to phrase this question. Like, what kind of, like, plays did they put on? Um, or, like... Know, Most of them were um, derived from like religious stories and mythologies. The um, ancient Indian religions being actually very rich in mythology, like the Greek uh, religions. Um, but one, the main thing I focused on with this was um, a concept that Sanskrit theater was based on. Um, it's kind of like a metaphysical concept called the rasa. So. It essentially describes the intended experience of Sanskrit theater, and it's kind of like both under, like enjoying a piece of theater from just watching it, but also at the same time understanding exactly what went into making the piece so that you enjoyed it. It's like understanding the underlying structure of the piece, but also enjoying the piece. Hmm. Um, Sanskrit theater, unlike Greek theater, was and Egyptian theater was started out as a very um, theater for the upper class, the wealthy and yeah. educated. So it was a lot more uh, founded in intellectual ideals than uh, um, than Greek theater. I don't. Yeah. Greek theater was founded <laughs> in the absolute opposite. I just found that interesting <laughs> that it, it was developed. It was ancient kind of had its own textbook on how to write a Sanskrit theater piece. Um, and also it was developed as a more intellectual art form compared to some of the others. Yeah, because, yeah, I feel like, I don't know, it's been theater today, I feel like a lot of things are, like, intellectual. Like, not everything, obviously, but, like, I feel like if you're not, like, in theater, you look at it as, like, you know, like, pretentious almost, because I sure did. I mean, that is because of the development of modern theater. Yeah. I mean, modern theater came from, at least musicals, came from operas and then operettas. Um, 
like Pirates of Penzance, so operas would only have singing and no spoken dialogue. Operettas were designed to be a bit shorter, a bit more easily accessible, and um, have spoken dialogue as well as singing. And then those were slowly developed into um, modern musicals, but they still held some of that status, some of that like snootiness of yeah. opera, because that's where it came from, even though it was designed to be a bit more for the uh, yeah. middle class. And then just the pricing of theater tickets nowadays. It's ridiculous. Like It really kind of gatekeeps yeah. the art form. They've just resorted back to making it only for rich people. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like at least three hundred dollars for yeah, a Hamilton because ticket. That's ridiculous. Because yeah. like originally, I don't know if they had to pay to get in in Greece. Like I don't think they did. I don't believe they did. Don't like, don't quote me on that. But it was made for like the common man, and now it's just like you need to pay three hundred dollars for a ticket to watch this show about. Something. And even like the person we consider as the one of the fat building stones of modern theater, William Shakespeare, his plays were written for the masses. Or the common man. It, yeah. would, it would be like half a pence to get in and they would just cram people in this pit. In fact, the Globe Theater still has incredibly cheap tickets and just for standing room. Yeah. You can get in for like five pounds. Wow. And stand and watch a piece. And you can even, like, come in halfway through a piece. Um, huh. So it still holds that kind of accessibility that Shakespearean theater d- had. Yes. I love Shakespearean theater, too, but that's not today's subject. Yeah, we, we will discuss <laughs> that on a later episode. I am a huge Shakespeare nerd. Yeah. All right, folks. Welcome back from the past. Welcome to the present. Mm-hmm. You're here. Finally, back in our arms. We we, ho- <laughs> we hope you enjoyed that last what? episode, the yeah. last, you know, couple 30, I don't know how long the episode is, but, you know, the last, you know, half hour of your time. Your time. Enjoyed learning more about theater history, and um, I'm hoping mm-hmm. our next episode is going to be a Q&A episode. Mm-hmm. So Leah and I are going to be on here, and if would like to leave some questions. If you have any questions about theater, pen theater, if you want life advice, you know, we've lived 18 years, so we have some advice we could give you. Will it be best? Probably not. No. But, you no, know, it definitely will not be good advice. But you're going to enjoy our advice. Yeah. So um, when this episode goes live, we're going to post a poll, a poll, a question thing on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to, or just honestly, you could tweet at us. Mm-hmm. Um, you could DM us any of your questions, and we'll compile them together, and we will, you're going to be on our episode. Yes, and you can say, when you send us your question, you can choose whether or not you're anonymous. I know, you know, especially if you're yes. giving life advice, you absolutely have the uh, um, the opportunity to be op- anonymous, but if you want to have your name, leave your name. And we'll shout you out on the Instagram and Twitter, and hopefully get more followers. Ooh. Thank you guys for listening. And remember, you're always auditioning. Play track.